You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Monday, April 11th. It is NHL trade deadline day. We are recording this show live as we do Monday through Friday's 2 p.m. Eastern time in the final hour leading up to the uh, NHL trade deadline. Where's that, that Europe song when you need it? It's the final countdown. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. That's where we are right now. We're in the final hour, the final countdown to the NHL trade deadline. To be honest with you, this is an NHL trade deadline that's been a complete bore so far today. It's been an utter snore fest. If you've been watching the all-day coverage on, on TSN and Sportsnet ad nauseum, and, and I know for a fact that uh, I uh, rant and rave year in and year out about the ridiculousness of these two networks in Canada needing eight hours of coverage uh, for NHL trade deadline day from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m., knowing that there's probably uh, you can only need one hand to count how many trades or how many deals take place uh, in the first like in the morning and in the first five hours of the of the coverage let alone any significant deals. And certainly we haven't seen anything in terms of significant deals yet. Well, today we'll have to wait and see if there's more uh, in these final 45 minutes. Uh, I'm Ian Cameron, by the way, your host. Uh, Alex B. Smith is still away. Uh, Jimmy Murphy will be joining us, expected to join us at some point later in the show. Of course, he is busy today following uh, all the last minute, uh, uh, you know, dealings that are going on uh, in the trade world in the NHL, uh, especially with the Boston Bruins. And we'll get to the Bruins and the uh, big uh, trade they made late last night with the Buffalo Sabres getting uh, Taylor Hall. And we'll talk about the Nick Foligno deal. In fact, we'll do that right now. Those have been the two big deals, the big trades so far. I'll start actually with a little bit more of a minor deal uh, with Jeff Carter, of course, uh, going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Look, it's a good fit you know, it, for, for Pittsburgh. There's certain teams where you get 
Jeff Carter and you say to yourself, is this really the kind of move you want to make? And then there's other instances where you trade for uh, Jeff Carter and you say, wow, it's a good fit. I think for Pittsburgh, it's a good fit. They can put him on the third line. I assume that's where he's going to play. You know, he's not going to have to, you know, he's not in a position in his career where he can carry a team offensively anymore. That is crystal clear. But what he can be is, you know, a little down the lineup depth player for this uh, Kings team. Jeff Carter can be that. Certainly the fact that he's won Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings uh, isn't going to hurt his cause. And if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you are really bolstering your third line, which is probably where they're going to slot Jeff Carter uh, in this lineup uh, when he plays for the first time with the Penguins. And look, his numbers this year are 19 points in 40 games. Last, Actually, the last two years, we've seen a decline in his overall point production, 27 points last year with the Kings, 19 points in 40 games this season with the LA Kings. But all they're asking for out of Jeff Carter is be a good two-way center, uh, you know, and that's something that, you know, he is surely uh, capable of being, you know, chip in a little offensively. He's going to be playing with line mates that are, are certainly, he's going to be able to, I think, have potential for offensive success uh, here in Pittsburgh with them. Uh, when you look at what's uh, potentially uh, Zach Aston Reese, you could play with, you could play with a Jason Zucker, potentially Sam Lafferty, Teddy Bluger. Uh, there are some depth forwards for Pittsburgh that are a capable offensive talent. Uh, so to me, it's a good fit for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and definitely them getting Jeff Carter. Not that you really needed any confirmation from Ron Hextall and Brian Burke that they figured this team would be a playoff team. But obviously th this move signifies and signals to everybody that they are buying. They're going to try to make a run here in the playoffs. And uh, there's no question about that. That's a bit of the reason why they've gone after Jeff Carter. The first truly big uh, I guess trade and big um, in terms of the players at the top of the trade board moving from one team to the next, the big domino to fall. The first domino to fall yesterday was obviously Nick Foligno uh, going from the Columbus Blue Jackets to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We know that if the Leafs were going to get him, they would have to give up a first round pick. So that's not sh shocking. It's going to be a down the depth. It's going to be a down the first round uh, type of draft pick that's going to be going uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's not uh, something that would worry the Leafs. Uh, you know, to me, this is a guy that is going to make the Toronto Maple Leafs tougher to play against. Now, there's going to be people that are quib uh, quibbling, saying you gave up a first-round pick, a couple other picks for a UFA that's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Uh, the chances of getting him back in Toronto are, look, they're 50-50 at best. And I would even probably say more, you know, 40-60, 30-70. You know, the Leafs have significant cap issues. You know, they're right up against it, you know, as far as the salary cap is concerned. So the ability to be able to re-sign Nick Foligno in the offseason is very much in question for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. This could very well be the perfect definition of a rental player, a guy that they they brought in to try to get them over the hump, get them uh, at least a couple playoff series wins, if not to a conference final, Stanley Cup final, and hell, winning a Stanley Cup. That's why you bring in uh, Nick Foligno. Now I know there's going to be, and I've read on Twitter, on television and heard it already that there's some people worried about Nick Foligno's, you know, injury issues, his drop off in offense uh, this year. And, and you're right. You know, offensively, this has been a huge downer of a season for Nick Foligno. You look at the last few years. I mean, the last four seasons with the Columbus Blue Jackets, four full seasons, 
you know, 51 points in the 16-17 season, 33 points in the 17-18 season, 35 points in 2018-2019, 31 points in 67 games in 2019-2020, but just 16 points in 42 games this season for Nick Foligno. So there's people, obviously, the skeptical Leaf fans, the uh, the ones that like to be Leaf haters, and there's a lot. Uh, and you know, it's either love, it's a love it or hate it franchise. It seems uh, with this uh, Toronto team. When you look at Nick Foligno's numbers, yeah, definitely a drop in offensive production this year. But who has thrived offensively this year with the Columbus Blue Jackets? You know, that hasn't been a very good offensive team for the majority of the season. Their offense was sputtering team wide. They thought they got the answer getting Patrick Lyonnais, who's done absolutely jack shit with the Columbus Blue Jackets since they got him. So really, they've kept on having trouble scoring goals. So yeah, his offensive production is down, but you could say that about so many people on that Jackets team. And now Nick Foligno is going to arrive to a Toronto team uh, that's going to be probably amongst the most talented forward groups that he's ever played with. And if he plays down the lineup a little bit, you know, he's got the chance still to play with, look, if he, even if he plays on a third line, you're playing with maybe Jason Spezza, Alex Kerfoot, and Wayne Simmons. And, and of course, in the top six, you've got Matthews, Marner, Tavares. Uh, Galchenyuk has really uh, opened some eyes since uh, he's been with the Leafs, and he's played hard, and he's gotten it's consistently they're getting chances and opportunities offensively. Zach Hyman, that to me is the parallel I draw with Nick Foligno. He is a Zach Hyman type. He is a, he hounds the buck. He, his work ethic is relentless. His drive to compete, win puck battles, is uh, is similarly relentless. And what he's going to give you is, yeah, the offense, you could question that here or there. First of all, I think his offense is going to pick up a little bit because he's playing around better forwards around him. That's number one. Uh, number two, you know, it, it's going to be a situation for me where he has been brought in to really even further this team defensively. There was a massive focus coming into this season from Kyle Dubas, the GM and this Leaf franchise. We've got to shore up defense, our defensive game as a team. We've got to improve the blue line. They did that. They brought in Zach Pagosian, TJ Brody uh, in the off season. I think both of those guys have played very, very well, very steady uh, on the blue line. And they went after uh, improving themselves with some good defensive forwards as well. And Nick Foligno does that for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. His two-way game is, is outstanding. His ability as a defensive forward is outstanding. He's an elite penalty killer. And this is a team that their penalty kill has actually been lights out for the better part of the last several weeks. This has been arguably the best penalty kill in the NHL uh, for the last few weeks. And now you bring in Nick Foligno, it's going to get even better. So their defensive game, uh, they know they've got to win at least. uh, They can have the offense, and they sure do, this Leaf team, but they know. We've got to make ourselves better defensively, and we've got to make ourselves tougher and harder physically to play against. And I think they've ticked a lot of those boxes bringing in Nick Foligno from a defensive standpoint. You hope he can chip in some offense, but you know, a great point by uh, one of the people in our chat right now watching the show lives. The Leafs certainly didn't trade Nick Foligno for Nick Foligno because of his offense. They're not expecting him to come in here and score, you know, double-digit goals, twenty points. No. Uh, if he can chip in offensively, great. He's going to be a great two-way player. He's going to be an awesome penalty killer. He's going to be responsible defensively. He's going to just hound the puck. He is going to be a, like a dog on a bone on loose pucks, very much like Zach Hyman is on this Leafs team. 
And more than anything, he's going to go to the front of the net. He's going to be physical. He'll stick up for his teammates. He'll drop the gloves every now and then. He's an impeccable leader. Everybody says he's a vocal leader uh, in the dressing room. He commands the attention and the respect of his teammates. Those are the kind of guys you need to have on your team if you're going to win the Stanley Cup and get to your ultimate goal of winning a championship. Uh, and definitely, uh, this is, I think, a move that the Leafs say, hey, this is going to be a one where he makes our overall team game better and our overall team composition better. So, yeah, you could argue they, picked, they paid a little bit for him, that he's not going to resign in the offseason. That's the risky run. That he's maybe offensively you worry if he's going to step up. And he's, of course, he's right now still injured for the Jackets. So can he stay healthy? But worth the shot. This is an all in. This is clearly Kyle Dubas has put it out there and getting David Riddick as well, knowing that Frederick Anderson may not be back anytime soon. Like, seriously, we got to start wondering at this stage that Freddie Anderson may not be back this regular season. He may not even be back this season, including the playoffs. That's how significant I think whatever's going on with him, whatever's healing him in terms of his current injury, I think that's how significant it is. It's significant because of the fact they've gone out now and traded for David Riddick to give them you know, a backup to Jack Campbell. And of course, they still have Michael Hutchinson on the team. So who knows what that's going to mean for him. But uh, clearly, these are moves being made because the Leafs are going for a Stanley Cup this year. They feel they have a team good enough to compete for and win a Stanley Cup. Why not? Uh, because you know their 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 game has been excellent. So we'll see uh, if these moves pay off. But I like the Nick Foligno trade. And as much as David Riddick is inconsistent and he has a lot of bad games and bad nights, he's capable every now and then of that great night. And he has played at least in the playoffs a little bit. So uh, I don't I don't mind the moves that the Leafs made. Uh, let's turn our attention to Taylor Hall now. Uh, the other big trade, that's the one we'll uh, talk about next, and then we'll move on to breaking down the Monday card. I'm going to keep the Monday betting breakdown very short today because I don't have a whole lot on the Monday card today. I'm keeping it a very low-volume day for me. Uh, not a ton of bets uh, on this card. Uh, we'll go through them briefly, uh, but I'm not peppering the board on trade deadline day. I'm just not doing it. Uh, players coming, players going, rosters shifting around left and right. Uh, who knows where the focus and the mindset's going to be coming off this trade deadline initially in this, for, you know, playing the same night. I'm shocked the NHL thinks it's wise to have, you know, seven uh, NHL games uh, on the night of the trade deadline. And yet tomorrow we've only got six games. Go figure. Uh, another bang up job by the NHL schedule makers there. I'm, of course, being facetious. Uh, but nevertheless, we handle it. Uh, but uh, I, I don't have a ton on the card today overall. I've got a couple bets here and there, uh, and I'll mention those in just a sec. But First, let's talk Taylor Hall. This is a hot button. Uh, this is a player that's got everybody's attention. There are people that are very, very tough on Taylor Hall, myself included, our colleague Jimmy Murphy. And how is it How is it to be Jimmy Murphy? I don't know if there's many people that I've heard uh, in the last year end up being uh, as tough on someone as Jimmy Murphy's been to Taylor Hall. I've been pretty tough on him too, but nothing like Jimmy Murphy. And now here we are. Uh, Jimmy Murphy's going to have to deal with Taylor Hall on a daily basis, covering the Boston Bruins. Now that he's in Boston, how about that? Uh, well, that'll be an interesting dynamic. Uh, Jimmy's not going to publicly embarrass him uh, or anything like that. But uh, look, if Taylor Hall doesn't perform, I think Jimmy Murphy and that Bruin media group—he's going to be as tough uh, in terms of the questioning for Taylor Hall in those press conferences as anybody. And look, for Taylor Hall, this has been a pathetic season for him. Pathetic. 
And I don't want to hear this nonsense about, oh, he's playing for the Buffalo Sabres, a bad team. Everybody's struggling there. You should still be better than two goals to this point of the season if you're Taylor Hall. I don't care if you're playing for a Pee Wee Junior A team. I don't care if you're playing for a Bantam B team. Whatever the case may be, you need to be better offensively for a guy of his skill set than two goals in 37 games for the Buffalo Sabres. Got to be better than that. 19 points in 37 games should be better than that. You know, this is a guy that's come close to a point per game in previous seasons. You know, a couple of years ago in New Jersey, 33 games, he had 37 points in 2018, 2019. Had 93 points in 76 games in his second season with the New Jersey Devils. You know, he's had some pretty good point production seasons uh, in the past. Uh, but, but now it's going to be a situation where, look, he's got to get it going. And look, he's become more of an assist guy. I understand that more of a playmaker. Uh, he he's going to be someone that the uh, uh, the Bruins see that in him, that ability to try to spark their offense and give them some depth and give them something outside of the top line. I mean, that continues to be the ongoing problem for the Boston Bruins is the lack of production scoring wise outside of that top line, outside of the Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand group. You know, it was supposed to be David Krejci, and Krejci's having a brutal season for the Bruins. I mean, I can't believe how much uh, David Krejci has struggled uh, going into this game or, go, or this season so far for the Boston uh, for the Boston Bruins. David Krejci's been brutal uh, at times this year, non-existent. Jake DeBrusque has had a disappointing year. He's still only got single-digit goals uh, for the Boston Bruins. And then you look the rest of the depth chart for the Bruins, you're just not getting much at all. You know, from uh, Charlie Coyle. I mean, I think you should be getting a little bit more offensively from him. It hasn't necessarily been there. Nick Ritchie works hard, uh, and he's chipped in offensively. I'll give him credit. So I'm not. I'm going to keep him out of the. You know, being you know reprimanded for the issues Boston's had offensively. Craig Smith. You know, they brought him in from Nashville, veteran forward, to try to help them offensively. He's not giving them much. Uh, I mean, it's just a pat paper thin offense outside of Marshawn Bergeron Pasternak. Krejci's supposed to be a guy scoring for them. Jake DeBrusque is supposed to be a guy scoring for them. Craig Smith was brought in to be a guy, hopefully, to score a little bit for them. Charlie Coyle supposed to be a guy that maybe is supposed to produce offensively for them, and they haven't gotten that consistently from any of those guys. So Taylor Hall has had a bad, bad season so far in Buffalo, and I've no, I've talked about how in the playoffs he hasn't played as well as I think he should. He's got to show up. Sometimes he doesn't. I think his battle level for pucks is poor. I think he's got to compete for pucks a hell of a lot harder than he does. The one thing he is good, though, is he's a good passer and he can facilitate the offense. That's his strength. He does see the ice well. He makes good passes and he can help generate rush scoring chances for a hockey team. And what have the Bruins been horrendous at this season? Rush scoring chances, generating offense off the rush. It's been a huge huge impediment for this Bruins team all season long. And that is where they're going to hope Taylor Hall helps them with that ability to generate rush chances on paper. He fits the skill set and the mold of someone that can help them in that regard. He just needs to compete harder and work harder. And I find a lot of times that's not there in Taylor Hall's game. Here's the caveat to all that. We have questions about whether he can score goals, although now he's become more of a playmaker. Can he help kickstart this offense? Can he work harder? Can he compete harder? I find his battle level has to go way up 
way up than we have seen it uh, in the past from Taylor Hall. The caveat to all of this is that if there's one team that can whip Taylor Hall into shape, have him competing harder, working harder, a team that where he'll be snapped to attention by some of these veteran players, especially like a Patrice Bergeron and a Brad Marchand on this Bruins team. If you can't look those guys in the eye, in the eyes and not want to work hard and compete, these are guys that have won Stanley Cups. These are guys that have been in the playoffs every single year that know a lot about winning hockey. Then you might as well just retire and get the hell out of the NHL if you're Taylor Hall. If this can't be the team where you put it, put it down in, in red ink that you are going to raise your game. You're going to show up every night. You're going to be locked in mentally, which sometimes doesn't happen with him in Arizona. It didn't always happen. Certainly we didn't see it much at all in Buffalo. If this isn't the chance for you to really make an impression in a positive light, you're playing for the Bruins. It's been a well-run organization. It's been a respected franchise. They demand accountability. They demand being competitive. They demand work ethic. They demand all of these things. Those have been the trademarks of Boston Bruins teams for the last decade of success that they've had. You should see the winning. You should see the years they've won the division, the years they've been in the playoffs consecutively, the Stanley Cup finals appearances, the Stanley Cup they've won. I know they only have that uh, one cup in all this time, Boston, but they have been consistently right there to win Stanley Cups. If that can't snap you to attention, get you in the mindset of, I'm going to work my bag off every single night playing for this organization with a chance to be a playoff team. And hell, maybe if things come together and if the Bruins get healthier on the blue line, uh, maybe this team could still be dangerous come playoff time. But this is still an opportunity for Taylor Hall. So before I just knee-jerk reaction is it's not going to work. He's going to flop like he did in Arizona. It's going to end poorly like it did in New Jersey. It's going to end badly like it did in Buffalo. This is the one organization where if anyone can, you know, just grab this guy by the scruff of the neck, wake him up and get him to be that consistent force night in and night out, maybe it's the uh, Boston Bruins. We'll have to wait and see. I'm going to leave the door open for Taylor Hall to show me he can be something different that I've seen from him, particularly with Buffalo this year. The playoffs with Arizona was, I thought, a disappointment from him. Let's see uh, what he can do moving forward. The other moves that Boston made, I, I think they're worth talking about too. Curtis Lazar is a nice depth forward. Um, Mike Riley on defense. And look, they, they have to. They had to address the blue line. They did. Mike Riley's a, a decent defenseman they got uh, in a trade yesterday because they are banged up beyond belief. John Moore, Brandon Carlo, Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick. Four starting defensemen, all of them out due to injury right now. We saw the Washington Capitals just lay waste uh, to the uh, Boston Bruins last night in that ailing blue line in an 8-1 to one victory last night. So I think they should go after another defenseman, to be honest with you. Like if Boston's truly uh, serious about playoffs and competing and trying to win uh, and, and make a run in the playoffs, I think they got to try to go after one more defenseman here in the next uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, leading up to this 3 p.m. Eastern deadline. So uh, Boston, I think it could behoove them to look defense, at least uh, another one, because I don't think there's any firm timetable yet with what to expect in terms of timelines for Grizzly, timelines for McAvoy and, and Brandon Carlo from an injury perspective. And again, these are probably your three best in, uh, defensemen uh, of what you got right now, because after those guys, you're looking now at a blue line for the Boston Bruins, which has Jeremy Lozon, Jakob Zaborl, Stephen Camp for Jared Tenorti, who's just, you know, 
uh, signed by the team this season. Connor Clifton, Jeremy Lozon, it's patchwork, you know, and Kevin Miller's good and Mike Riley will help. But I think, and with the goaltending too, with Rask and Halak, uh, you know, Rask injured, Halak on COVID-19 protocol list. Uh, you need to shore up that blue line in a big way. They've addressed it a little bit with Mike Riley. I honestly would like to see them uh, maybe uh, go after another defenseman here before this deadline. Uh, other than that, there's really not been a whole lot of other blockbuster mammoth trades. Matias Yanmark to Vegas is a decent addition. It gives them more forward depth. I like it. And he's had a good year, actually, for the Chicago Blackhawks, Matias Yanmark. So uh, I like it. Nice little depth forward addition for the Vegas Golden Knights getting him. You know, other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot. Of course, over the weekend, we saw Brandon Montour uh, added to the Florida Panthers. We talked about that already. I think it's a nice addition. Offensively, he's going to help generate offense from the blue line. Yeah, you could nitpick about his defensive game at times, but, hey, I think he's going to improve at that end of the ice. Look, playing for a better defensive team and a better team overall uh, with the Florida Panthers. So uh, that's my take. Uh, that's my thoughts on the um, main trades that have taken place. Again, we will keep you up to date. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're coming up on the 3 p.m. Eastern deadline. If there are any trades that are announced, uh, I will try my best to announce them as we uh, get through the rest of this Monday edition uh, of the Ice Guys. All right, let's turn our attention to the betting board. And for me, it's a light card tonight, uh, betting-wise. Uh, let's go, though, and run down each game as we always do. We'll start with the Winnipeg Jets and the Ottawa Senators. Winnipeg minus 190, uh, road favorites, a total six uh, across the board here in this one. You can see the Ottawa Senators have parted ways uh, with a couple of players here in the last uh, 24 hours via trade. Not surprising. Uh, looking to you know accumulate more prospects, accumulate more draft picks. Uh, that is the goal, no question about it, for this Ottawa team. The Senators team that continues to play hard night in and night out, just ask Toronto. Uh, they made it difficult on them the other night to snag Jack Campbell's 11th straight win uh, to start a season, which sets an NHL record for most consecutive wins for a goalie uh, to start the season. But boy, Ottawa made Toronto work uh, in that game. Uh, we'll see uh, if they can follow that up with another strong effort here. But Winnipeg's rolling right now. Great start to the road trip. Beat Montreal. I actually thought Montreal would play a lot better in the rematch against the Jets, and the Jets basically shut that, that down. That had to be one of the best, most complete 60-minute games of the season from the Jets. I mean, at both ends of the ice. Penalty kill was working. The power play was good. The defense didn't allow a ton to the Montreal Canadiens. That's still the little bugaboo with the Winnipeg Jets is that blue line. And I'm actually surprised Kevin off the GM, hasn't traded for a defenseman yet because I think that's where the need is for the Winnipeg Jets going into the playoffs. But we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, there's still 20 minutes left. There's still time for off trade for a defenseman and add a, and add a blue liner uh, before the deadline. The problem is defensemen don't grow on trees and they don't come cheap. That's the issue. And there could be some reluctancy maybe on his part to part with too much uh, in order uh, to get a defenseman in here with the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, it's definitely something to see if they, if they upgrade the blue line, because that's still the one slight area uh, where you worry about Winnipeg come playoff time, uh, especially with Nathan Beaulieu still out a uh, long term. And this is, you know, I, I give credit to Tucker Pullman and Josh Morrissey's a very good defenseman now in his career. Uh, Neil Pionk has taken massive strides forward. Uh, Dylan DeMello was a great uh, addition from Ottawa last year. Uh, the big towering uh, near seven footer, uh, Logan Stanley, uh, has been a bright spot as well. But they still lack some depth on the blue line. It would be nice to see them address it. But hey, if they can't, so be it. They don't need to address the forward group. It's fine the way it is. I love their top four centers, Shifley, Dubois, Lowry, Thompson, 
Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, Mark Scheifele, uh, Andrew Kopp has all of a sudden become an offensive force lately. He's been scoring goals. Lots to like about Winnipeg. Uh, I'm not involved in this game, but I lean Winnipeg in regulation. They're just playing too well at this point in time uh, to go against them. Probably not a game I'm bat- bet- betting on here, uh, but I would lean a little to Winnipeg in regulation uh, against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Toronto and Montreal, we've got the Leafs, minus 150. Uh, road favorites here. The total six shaded to the under. Uh, price is getting pretty rich now with Toronto. Uh, I'm kind of tempted by Montreal in this spot, but boy, they just were so bad uh, against Winnipeg in a spot where they were supposed to be much better. You know, Winnipeg jumped on them uh, on the in the game that they played on Thursday night. It was the back-to-back for the Canadians. They played Toronto the night before and lost that game. And Winnipeg jumped on them early. I thought it was a spot for Montreal to be a lot better Saturday, and it just didn't happen. They got dominated uh, by the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Jake Allen's game has kind of declined a little bit. I don't think he's played as well uh, in between the pipes uh, in recent games for the Montreal Canadiens. We talked about the uh, the fact that they miss uh, Brendan Gallagher dearly uh, on this team, no question. is heart and soul player, one of the few forwards that you know goes to the front of the net and is willing to take punishment to score. The only other guys that do that are Perry, Anderson, and Toffoli will do that a little bit. I don't find Suzuki does that. I don't find Cook and Yemi does that. Jonathan Drouin, forget it. He'll, he'll never do that kind of thing. That's why he doesn't score. That's why he does absolutely bubkiss for this hockey t- team, uh, as far as I'm concerned. The defensive play, uh, you know, Shea Weber had a brutal turnover the other night that led to a Winnipeg goal. I feel bad. But he's had a lot more of those lately. Uh, you worry about, you know, played a lot of hockey, older defenseman. He's had some injuries. And to me, you, you can see there's some wear and tear and some decline in his game right now. And I'm just not at all anxious to fade a team that has a goalie that's won 11 straight. I mean, it is. it smells like a little bit of a concerning spot for Toronto. They got the record for Campbell the other night against Ottawa. But uh, M- Montreal's had trouble this year against Toronto. I'm not going against the Leafs. I don't love the price, though, that you're getting here with the Leafs. It's up to minus 150 now. I understand why the Leafs are playing well. Montreal's just had a rough last few games. Jake Allen's play has backpedaled uh, quite a bit. Uh, I don't want to go against Toronto, but I'm not getting the price I want. So it's a pass for me, uh, Leafs and Canadians. Uh, Detroit and Carolina. We've got Carolina minus 380 home favorites. Total five and a half here. I ain't laying minus 380 with Carolina. Crazy as it is to say it, Detroit has played Carolina as good as any team in the NHL this year. Honestly, go and look at the the season series to this point between the Red Wings and the Hurricanes. Carolina has had a tough time consistently with Detroit. It's They've been a thorn in their side a little bit. And of course, the Red Wings getting the money as massive north of plus 300 underdogs on Saturday night in a shootout victory uh, against Carolina. Now, I get it. You got the better team in revenge mode and a bounce back spot here. That doesn't mean I'm comfortable laying minus 380 here with the Carolina Hurricanes. No way. Not at all. Not with the way Detroit's battled them. I do like the over in this game, five and a half. Uh, The over is three, one, and one in the five meetings between these two teams this season. Detroit's found an ability to score goals this year uh, against Carolina. And now, Carolina, you know, after going back and forth with Nadelkovich and Morozik, uh, in net for the last uh, week or so. James Reimer, who hasn't played now in a couple weeks, is going to be the starting goalie tonight for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, but to me, I'm looking at a situation here where I think Detroit can find the back of the net. 
You know, they've scored goals this year head-to-head against Carolina. They got four goals excluding the shootout the other night against the uh, Hurricanes. James Reimer in net, I don't necessarily trust him. He's been up and down lately, and he hasn't played for a little bit. Detroit can score. I absolutely firmly believe Carolina will score tonight uh, against the uh, Detroit Red Wings coming off that loss. Even if it's Bernier in that, Bernier's the best goalie Detroit has. It's not Grice. It's not Cal Pickard. Uh, but I still think Carolina can uh, get their offense rolling tonight in this game uh, with Aho, Trocek, Svechnikov, Martin Netchash, Niederreiter. Uh, those five guys have been carrying the load offensively for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. So, so I think we'll see them score. I think Detroit can pot a couple of goals here as well uh, against James Reimer, uh, who hasn't played in a little bit. So uh, we're looking over the total here. This is my first official play on this card, Detroit-Carolina. Uh, over five and a half. Yes, we can confirm Sam Bennett from the Calgary Flames to the Florida Panthers, uh, uh, according to uh, a couple sources, Chris Johnston, Frank Saravalli reporting that as well. Uh, so again, Sam Bennett to the Florida Panthers. It's been a nightmare for Sam Bennett in Calgary. This is a first round pick guy expected to be a big force offensively, and it just hasn't happened for him in Calgary. You're hoping that things can improve a little bit here uh, for the uh for Sam Bennett now in his new digs change of scenery breath of fresh air you always have to hold the door open for someone that didn't play well at one with one team in one place to play better in his next stop and this could be just the perfect you know take a deep breath yeah it was rough in Calgary the guy still got some game I think so I believe that um so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but to me, you know, it's worth it for the Florida Panthers. It is. You know, if you can get anything out of Sam Bennett, and you put him with Huberto and you put him with Barkov and you put him with Carter Verhage and Patrick Hornquist, and all of a sudden you got yourself a nice top six. And, you know, he's going to be given a top six forward opportunity. He's going to be given every opportunity by Joel Quenville. And the one thing Joel Quenville does is he wipes the slate clean when they've done trades before, going back to when he coached Chicago. You're not prejudged. There's no preconceived notions. We're not going to all of a sudden make sure, uh, bury you on a fourth line or a third line, even though you didn't play that well uh, with the Calgary Flames. We're going to give you that opportunity. We're going to give you that racetrack. Show us what you got here in Florida. You know, it's a buy low type of situation here for the Panthers. Buy low on a guy that we know has got some abilities, got some talent, got uh, didn't uh, end well, uh, disgruntled in Calgary. Uh, all of that, we know it's uh, the stuff with Sam Bennett with Calgary, very, very well documented. Um, but again, it's a chance to break free, clean slate, a team now that's going to be a playoff team, might even make a deep run in the playoffs uh, with, you know, Brandon Montour to help the blue line without Ekblad. And now you bring in Sam Bennett. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how uh, this, uh, how he fares in Florida. But I'm not just saying, wow, Sam Bennett stunk in Calgary. He's going to be terrible and do nothing in Florida. No, you can't just look through a narrow prism like that. You've got to be able to at least give uh, the guy a second chance here with a, uh, an organization that I think is a lot more harmonious right now than the Flames. Like the Flames dressing room to me, they've got issues internally there. That's not going to help a guy that's not playing well and is disgruntled when the dressing room around him. I think there's some issues there with Calgary. Now you're going to a new place, change of scenery, fresh start. We wish Sam Bennett the best. It'll be interesting to see how he fares in Florida. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him play a little bit better. All right, let's continue through the Monday card. Uh, we'll go to the next game here, Chicago and Columbus. Chicago minus 130, 
uh, road favorites, total five and a half shaded to the over here uh, in this game. I'm on Chicago here, minus 130. This is uh, this is the one bet I made immediately. Actually, I, I got it when it was minus 120. It's gone up to minus 130. There's even minus 135 to minus 140, you know, in some spots here with the Black Ox. And you could think, geez, you're going to lay that kind of price with the Black Ox on the road. Yeah, with the state Columbus is in right now, I sure as hell am. <laughs> That's the way I see it. Uh, Columbus is trading guys left and right. The captain's been dealt to Toronto. Nick Foligno, uh, David Savard uh, dealt to Tampa Bay uh, over the weekend. It's probably going to be uh, maybe a domino or two more to fall. There's rumblings that Michael Delzato is going to be traded on the blue line uh, before this deadline. The writing's on the wall. It's Columbus season is not going anywhere. They're not going to be a playoff team. Patrick Lyonnais is unhappy. John Tortorella, I think, knows he's gone after this season. I don't think he's got – like, you see John Tortorella in his press conferences now after they lose a game. You used to see Hellfire and Brimstone. You used to see him pissed off, angry, livid, raging after a loss. Now he's like, ah, oh, ho-hum. Yeah, it is what it is. I think he's beaten down. I think he's beaten down mentally. I think he's beaten down emotionally. He knows that it's, He knows that his, he's probably on his last legs here as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So how do you expect him to put in, you know, a, a plus effort coaching this team? And how do you expect the team to respond with a plus effort for the coach who looks like he's kind of, you know, not mailing it in, but come on, we know Torts. Torts has been a head coach in the NHL for almost 20 years. When a team's struggling, you're damn well going to hear from him. You're going to hear him rant and rage, rant and rave, I should say, and, and, and go on a tirade or two. Haven't even seen any of that from Tortorella. Like, hello, you, or, your team sucks right now. Where's that Tortorella fire? I haven't seen it. You know, so uh, to me, I think he's kind of, I don't want to say checked out. That's harsh, but I think he kind of knows. It's its the end of the road. Columbus is playing like a team that knows uh, they're not going anywhere. Their offense continues to be stagnant. You still can't trust them defensively. And now without David Savard, one of their better, you know, shut down defensemen, how are they going to defend on a nightly basis? That's the question mark moving forward. Uh, yeah, it's just a bad way for Columbus. They're a, a, a dead bet against team for me right now. Cashed an easy winner with Chicago the other night against them. And I'm going to come right back to the well here uh, with the uh, Chicago uh, Blackhawks here, minus 130 uh, against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Because to me, Columbus knows that it's the end of the season for them. The Torts is uh, like Dom Ricci's got it right. Like Tortorella usually just goes off. At, at least a couple of times when his team is struggling to this magnitude, he has that almost like laissez-faire, uh, doesn't give two shits attitude right now about it. And I think it's because he knows, hey, we're not doing anything this year. I'm probably not going to be back as the head coach next year. You know, you got Lionet pissed off at him, Tortorella. Uh, Lionet pissed off at Torts. Torts pissed off at him. It's a bad dynamic for the dressing room. They're playing like it on the ice. Yeah, for me, it's Chicago here, minus 130. And yeah, you're paying more of a price than you probably should with Chicago. But given the situation with Columbus, I think it's worth paying that price. All right, St. Louis, Minnesota. We've got Minnesota minus 140, home favorites, total five and a half here in this game. Um, I would only look to Minnesota here, but man, minus 140. Ugh, don't know if I love that price uh, on the Minnesota. Well, I don't know if I love stepping in front of the Blues here. have won three in a row. They've got... Uh, they've got uh, Colton Pareko back, one of their best defensemen, arguably their best defenseman back from injury last week. Huge addition, and they've won three straight with him back. They beat Vegas. They beat Minnesota twice. Yeah, a little fortuitous the other night. Tough loss for Minnesota. They give up the tying goal in the final minute. And then, of course, 
the overtime winner, which was a thing of beauty by Ryan O'Reilly. A beautiful backhand shot goes around the net, just roofs it over uh, Cam Talbot for the overtime winner. Uh, it was an outstanding uh, goal from him. But Minnesota's now lost two straight to St. Louis, but those were in St. Louis. They're back home. They have played good hockey all season at home at the XL Energy Center. I'm not saying I won't bet. Uh, I lean Minnesota. It's the only side I would look, but uh, I don't know if I'll get there at the current price. Lean over the total as well, five and a half here uh, in this one. But lukewarm, I haven't bet it yet. Just leans for me as of now, wild uh, and the over. But look, St. Louis has a nice little thing going right now. They've won three in a row. They're uh, getting Pareko back was big. And look, Bennington's better as well the last few starts. Looks like it'll be Bennington and Talbot, uh, your starters uh, in net uh, for uh, this game here uh, tonight. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, there's someone saying the Blues and the Wild might get postponed. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard anything, but uh, we'll have to uh, double check on that. So they're, they're, apparently that game may not get played here uh, tonight with those two teams. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, but uh, Bennington and Talbot, uh, definitely uh, your starters. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. But uh, yeah, uh, if, if uh, curfew set for a police shooting. Okay, they're right because of that. Uh, there could be potentially the game postponed tonight. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, anyway, if the game does get played, uh, which is a big if right now, uh, all the into the wild and the over. Arizona, Colorado. We've got Colorado minus 360 uh, home favorites. Total five and a half shaded to the over uh, in this game between these two teams. Colorado, uh, good win for for them against Anaheim uh, yesterday, back-to-back -back situation for them. It's kind of funny that actually it's not really all that shocking that Johansson uh, started yesterday, saved uh, Philip Grubauer for this game tonight uh, against the Arizona Coyotes. Now, Arizona had an over-the-total run snapped the other night. And you know what I say about the streaks when I'm riding them? Or yesterday, that uh, over-the-total streak for Arizona got snapped. They had gone 7-1 and one to the over uh, in their last eight games prior to yesterday's one nothing shutout loss uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights, but they're still 7-2 and two to the over uh, in their last nine games. And you know what I'm saying, too, uh, about the streaks that I'm riding. I usually don't jump off the streak or off the train until I lose two, so I'm kind of looking at coming back over the total here, 5.5, minus 115, minus 120. It, it will be a bet of mine. It will be an official play. Uh, coming back to it here, I think Arizona off a shutout loss, again, they overcompensated. They got blown out their defense, and Aiden Hill got uh, hammered by Vegas in the first game against the Golden Knights, and they talked about playing better defense yesterday, and they did that, but they overcompensated, and they, you know, they forgot to score uh, in that game against Vegas in the one nothing loss. Now I think their shoes on the other foot. They'll try to get their offense uh, reignited here after getting shut out yesterday, so uh, like I say, they're still 7-2 and two to the over, this Arizona team in their last nine games. The goaltending is still very much suspect. We could be actually seeing Ivan Prosvetov uh, in net here for the uh, Arizona Coyotes tonight. Remember, we saw Aiden Hill yesterday, and this is the second of back-to-back -back games for the Coyotes. So we got might have a very inexperienced tender uh, in between the pipes here for this uh, Arizona team tonight. So uh, I, I still will go forward with the uh, over here in this game, five and a half, uh, minus 115 to minus 120. Vegas, Los Angeles, we've got the uh, Golden Knights, minus 170, uh, road favorites, total five and a half here uh, in this game. Second of back-to-back -back games for the uh, Golden Knights, just like with Arizona, uh, after the one nothing win yesterday. Uh, the LA Kings, a uh, nice win for them against San Jose uh, on Saturday night. 
Uh, pretty solid performance by the uh, Kings uh, in that game against the uh, Sharks. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if they can carry it forward. Marc-Andre Fleury was outstanding uh, in the game yesterday. Back-to-back, -back, pretty much a given that Robin Leonard uh, on the second of these back-to-back -back games will be in net tonight for the uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights uh, in this game. Should be Cal Peterson uh, in net for the uh, LA Kings uh, as well. But LA coming off a 4-2 victory uh, against San Jose. But now Jeff Carter traded, of course, so you won't see him. Uh, in the lineup tonight for the LA Kings now that he's in Pittsburgh uh, with the Penguins. So you're going to see some shifting in the center ice spot. Looks like they're going to go with Andre Kopitar, Blake Lazat, Jared Anderson, Dolan, Gabe Velarde as your four uh, centers, one through four tonight for the uh, LA Kings. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on. This is one of those games where the Kings are one of those teams where they could still have some activity here in the final few minutes leading up to this trade deadline. So there's still some names in play that could get dealt. I don't want to jump in and bet this game until I know for sure what on earth is going to happen here uh, in terms of will there be any last-second trades involving the Kings because they're one of those teams that are sellers. They're looking at the long-term picture, rebuilding, trades in order to bring in prospects, bring in draft picks. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, uh, as of it's probably not a game I have a strong opinion on anyway, this Vegas-LA game. Vegas is clearly the better of these two teams, but L.A., uh, LA does play Vegas tough. And remember, they won in Vegas uh, just a couple of weeks ago. But I definitely think we're, it's a situation where Vegas probably wants to pay back here. So I probably would be reluctant to step in front of the Golden Knights here, even with them being on the back to back here on the road in LA. But for now, it's a pass on this game. We'll wrap it up with the final game here Anaheim, San Jose. Uh, San Jose minus 175 to minus 180. Uh, home favorites here, the total five and a half across the board. Uh, I think we I think we get over the total here with uh, Ryan Miller potentially a net here tonight uh, for the uh, Anaheim Ducks, uh, a guy that's had not exactly great numbers by any stretch of the imagination uh, this season. Uh, Anaheim, remember, be careful of laying this price. Uh, this the last time uh, San Jose hosted Anaheim, they were right in the same price range here, minus one seventy to minus one eighty home favorites, and they ended up losing out of the Anaheim Ducks. And look, San Jose, it's probably a decent bounce back spot. If you like San Jose, maybe you take you can put them in a parlay or take them in regulation. But this is the kind of price range where I just don't have a whole lot of faith in backing San Jose when they're laying this kind of number. You know, we just saw them lost to the Kings, uh, lose to the Kings, I should say, 4-2 Saturday night. Like I say, the last time they played uh, Anaheim, uh, got the 5-1 win the Ducks uh, in that game. But it does set up, I think, to be a pretty good bounce back night for San Jose. I think what I might do in this game is a San Jose team total. I, I like that. I, that makes sense to me uh, because with Ryan Miller projected to be in net, uh, a guy that's, you know, the downward uh, tail end of his career. He's had uh, mediocre numbers uh, this season for the Ducks. You would think after losing to L.A., being held down a little bit uh, offensively in the last game, that San Jose's probably got an adequate response in them. Uh, to score more goals. And uh, Anaheim, we know uh, without Hampus Lindholm, they have been giving up a few more goals. And obviously the chances there are, are, are there for them to give up goals with Ryan Miller. And that. So I'm going to do a split bet here, half and half type bet. I'm going to go half on the full game over five and a half here at minus 115. And I'm probably going to go half on the Sharks team total, uh, which is over three and a half uh, plus 115. I think that's a really good way to go here. Just in case, you know, San Jose shuts Anaheim down, uh, although I've never been a big fan of the Sharks team defensively. 
Uh, and Martin Jones will have one good game, one bad game. You're not sure what you're going to get from him. Uh, but I do feel at least more confident San Jose can get theirs tonight offensively. So that's I'm going to split it up. I'm going to go Anaheim, San Jose, over five and a half, minus 115 full game, and also half on the uh, Sharks team total specifically, uh, which is over three and a half, uh, plus 115. All right, that is the Monday uh, NHL card. As you can tell, I'm treading very lightly when it comes to bets and unit size on this NHL slate today on this trade deadline day. Letting all these trades get done. Uh, we're waiting for these last-minute deals to uh, be reported. And remember, even though we're just a minute away from the uh, NHL trade deadline uh, coming up on 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, keep in mind that there will be trades reported after the deadline, usually in that first hour after the deadline between 3 and 4 p.m. Eastern. You'll get trades announced then because a lot of time the trade calls don't get processed until after the deadline. As long as you make the trade call, you place the trade call before the 3 p.m. Eastern deadline, the trade will go through. But the processing system uh, of these trades means that you won't get some of these deals announced until uh, 30 minutes, sometimes even 45 minutes after the trade deadline. So you'll still hear definitely some uh, trades get announced after the deadline. But uh, I was thinking I'd be keeping you up to date here. We got lots of trades to announce and really the Sam Bennett uh, to the Florida Panthers from the Calgary Flames. That trade was really the only main one that took place here during the show. But uh, we'll see what uh, ends up being announced in the uh, uh, hour or so following the deadline. Uh, a much quieter day uh, in terms of trades than uh, a lot of people expected, although this seems to be this way every year on trade deadline. They build it up. TSN's on the air for like 12 hours, and you get not anywhere close to the number of trades you would have expected. So uh, we'll see what ends up coming through in the next uh, – few minutes here uh but uh, nevertheless uh before we wrap up the show and get to best bets uh, uh download the DraftKings Sportsbook app sign up for an account use the promo code THPN we've got NHL NBA Major League Baseball uh, on a daily basis uh significant uh you want to make sure that uh, you're using DraftKings we've got the NFL draft coming up later this month there will be NFL draft props that you can bet there you see it on the screen if you're watching on YouTube DraftKings promo code THPN. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. You'll get deposit bonuses, weekly specials, and incentives. Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account and use the promo code THPN. All right. It is time for best bet from me on this Monday edition uh, of the Ice Guys. And to me, this is the I, I haven't bet a ton of games or a ton of plays today compared to normal. Usually on, on a card of this size, I'm involved in seven or eight bets. I've only got like three or four uh, so far today, but this one I like. It's the clear top bet to me today. Chicago Blackhawks minus 130 uh, against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. It's the first bet I made uh, on this Monday NHL card. Very, very simple. Chicago, at least you still see an effort. You're still seeing them winning some games, uh, finding a way to get it done. And Columbus is just, uh, on the way down, coach probably on his way out, guys getting traded away left and right, no playoffs for this team, not playing well, offense not there very much. They've uh, been a putrid offensive team for weeks. Uh, the defense and their goaltending from Corpus Allo and Merzlikens hasn't been as good as it was last year. Uh, Blackhawks minus 130. Uh, it stuck out as the best bet for me today, uh, and that's what I'm going to go with. Chicago. Minus 130 against Columbus. That'll be my best bet for today's edition of the Ice Guys. And that'll wrap up this show. Thanks to everyone uh, for tuning in. 
A reminder, we're on YouTube live with the Ice Guys NHL Hockey Betting Show Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, you can download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. I'm Ian Cameron. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the games and good luck. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.